Guy Mannering or the Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott, Volume 2, Chapter 14. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Volume 2, Chapter 14. Twas he gave heat unto the injury, which returned, like a petard ill-lighted, into the bosom of him gave fire toot. Yet I hope his hurt is not so dangerous, but he may recover. Fair Maid of the Inn The prisoner was now presented before the two worshipful magistrates. Glossin, partly from some compunctuous visitings, and partly out of his cautious resolution to suffer Sir Robert Hazelwood to be the ostensible manager of the whole examination, looked down upon the table, and busied himself with reading and arranging the papers respecting the business, only now and then throwing in a skilful catchword as prompter, when he saw the principal and apparently most active magistrate stand in need of a hint. As for Sir Robert Hazelwood, he assumed on his part a happy mixture of the austerity of the justice, combined with the display of personal dignity appertaining to the baronet of an ancient family. "'There, constables, let him stand there at the bottom of the table. Be so good as look me in the face, sir, and raise your voice as you answer the questions which I am going to put to you. May I beg in the first place to know, sir, who it is that takes the trouble to interrogate me?' said the prisoner. "'For the honest gentlemen who have brought me here "'have not been pleased to furnish any information upon that point.' "'And pray, sir,' answered to Robert, "'what has my name and quality to do with the questions I am about to ask you?' "'Nothing, perhaps, sir,' replied Bertram, "'but it may considerably influence my disposition to answer them.' "'Why, then, sir, you will be pleased to be informed "'that you are in the presence of Sir Robert Hazelwood of Hazelwood, "'and another Justice of Peace for this county.' that's all as this intimation produced a less stunning effect upon the prisoner than he had anticipated sir robert proceeded in his investigation with an increasing dislike to the object of it is your name van beest brown sir it is answered the prisoner so far so well and how are we to design you further sir demanded the justice captain in his majesty's regiment of horse answered bertram the baronet's ears received this intimation with astonishment, but he was refreshed in courage by an incredulous look from Glossin, and by hearing him gently utter a sort of interjectional whistle in a note of surprise and contempt. "'I believe, my friend,' said Sir Robert, "'we shall find for you, before we part, a more humble title.' "'If you do, sir,' replied the prisoner, "'I shall willingly submit to any punishment which such an imposture should be thought to deserve.' "'Well, sir, we shall see,' continued Sir Robert. "'Do you know young Hazelwood of Hazelwood?' "'I never saw the gentleman who I am informed bears that name, excepting once, "'and I regret that it was under very unpleasant circumstances.' "'You mean to acknowledge, then,' said the baronet, "'that you inflicted upon young Hazelwood of Hazelwood "'that wound which endangered his life, "'considerably lacerated the clavicle of his right shoulder,' and deposited, as the family surgeon declares, several large drops or slugs in the acromion process? Why, sir, replied Bertram, I can only say I am equally ignorant of and sorry for the extent of the damage which the young gentleman has sustained. I met him in a narrow path, walking with two ladies and a servant, and before I could either pass them or address them, this young Hazelwood took his gun from his servant, presented it against my body, and commanded me in the most haughty tone to stand back. 
I was neither inclined to submit to his authority nor to leave him in possession of the means to injure me, which he seemed disposed to use with such rashness. I therefore closed with him for the purpose of disarming him, and, just as I had nearly effected my purpose, the piece went off accidentally, and to my regret then and since inflicted upon the young gentleman a severer chastisement than I desired, though I am glad to understand it is like to prove no more than his unprovoked folly deserved. And so, sir, said the baronet, every feature swollen with offended dignity, you, sir, admit, sir, that it was your purpose, sir, and your intention, sir, and the real jet and object of your assault, sir, to disarm young Hazelwood of Hazelwood of his gun, sir, or his fowling piece, or his fusée, or whatever you please to call it, sir, upon the king's highway, sir. I think this will do, my worthy neighbour. I think he should stand committed. You are by far the best judge, sir, of it, said Glossin, in his most insinuating tone. But if I might presume to hint, there was something about these smugglers. Very true, good sir, and besides, sir, you, Van Briest, who call yourself a captain in his majesty's service, are no better or worse than a rascally mate of a smuggler. Really, sir, said Bertram, you are an old gentleman and acting under some strange delusion, otherwise I should be very angry with you. Old gentleman, sir? Strange delusion, sir? said Sir Robert, colouring with indignation. I protest and declare, why, sir, you have any papers or letters that can establish your pretended rank, and estate, and commission? None at present, sir, answered Bertram. But in the return of a post or two... And how do you, sir, continued the baronet, if you are a captain in his majesty's service, how do you chance to be travelling in Scotland without letters of introduction, credentials, baggage, or anything belonging to your pretended rank, estate, and condition, as I said before? Sir, replied the prisoner, I had the misfortune to be robbed of my clothes and baggage. Oh, ho, then you are the gentleman who took a post-chase from, um, to Kippletringham, gave the boy the slip on the road, and sent two of your accomplices to beat the boy and bring away the baggage. I was, sir, in a carriage, as you describe, was obliged to alight in the snow, and lost my way endeavouring to find the road to Kippletringham. The landlady of the inn will inform you that on my arrival there the next day, my first inquiries were after the boy. Then give me leave to ask where you spent the night, not in the snow, I presume, you do not suppose that will pass or be taken, credited, and received? I beg leave, said Bertram, his recollection turning to the gypsy female and to the promise he had given her. I beg leave to decline answering that question. I thought as much, said Sir Robert. Were you not during the night in the ruins of Dernclue, in the ruins of Dernclue, sir? I have told you that I do not intend answering that question, replied Bertram. "'Well, sir, then you will stand committed, sir,' said Sir Robert, "'and be sent to prison, sir. That is all, sir. Have the goodness to look at these papers. Are you the Van Beast Brown who is there mentioned?' It must be remarked that Glossin had shuffled among the papers some writings which really did belong to Bertram, and which had been found by the officers in the old vault, where his portmanteau was ransacked. "'Some of these papers,' said Bertram, looking over them, "'are mine.' and were in my portfolio when it was stolen from the post-chase. 
there are memoranda of little value and i see have been carefully selected as fording no evidence of my rank or character which many of the other papers would have established fully they are mingled with ship accounts and other papers belonging apparently to a person of the same name and wilt thou attempt to persuade me friend demanded sir robert that there are two persons in this country at the same time of thy very uncommon and awkwardly sounding name i really do not see sir as there is an old hazelwood and a young hazelwood why there should not be an old and a young van beest brown and to speak seriously i was educated in holland and i know that this name however uncouth it may sound in british ears glossin conscious that the prisoner was now about to enter upon dangerous ground interfered though the interruption was unnecessary for the purpose of diverting the attention of sir robert hazelwood who was speechless and motionless with indignation at the presumptuous comparison implied in bertram's last speech in fact the veins of his throat and of his temples swelled almost to bursting and he sat with the indignant and disconcerted air of one who has received a mortal insult from a quarter to which he holds it unmeet and indecorous to make a reply while with a bent brow and an angry eye he was drawing in his breath slowly and majestically and puffing it forth again with deep and solemn exertion glossin stepped in to his assistance i should think now sir robert with great submission that this matter may be closed one of the constables besides the pregnant proof already produced offers to make oath that the sword of which the prisoner was this morning deprived while using it by the way in resistance to a legal warrant was a cutlass taken from him in a fray between the officers and smugglers just previous to their attack on woodbourne and yet he added i would not have you form any rash construction upon that subject perhaps the young man can explain how he came by that weapon that question sir said bertram i shall also leave unanswered there is yet another circumstance to be inquired into always under sir robert's leave insinuated glossin this prisoner put into the hands of mrs mccandlish of kippletringham a parcel containing a variety of gold coins and valuable articles of different kinds perhaps sir robert you might think it right to ask how he came by property of a description which seldom occurs you sir mr van beest brown sir you heard the question sir which the gentleman asks you i have particular reasons for declining to answer that question answered bertram then i'm afraid sir said glossin who had brought matters to the point he desired to reach our duty must lay us under the necessity to sign a warrant of committal as you please sir answered bertram take care however what you do observe that i inform you that i am a captain in her majesty's regiment and that i am just returned from india and therefore cannot possibly be connected with any of those contraband traders you talk of that my lieutenant-colonel is now at nottingham the major with the officer of corps at kingston-upon-thames i offer before you both to submit any degree of ignominy if within the return of the kingston and nottingham posts i am not able to establish these points or you may write to the agent for the regiment if you please and this is all very well sir said glossin beginning to fear lest the firm expostulation of bertram should make some impression on sir robert who would almost have died of shame at committing such a solecism as sending a captain of horse to jail this is all very well sir but there's no person nearer whom you could refer to 
there are only two persons in this country who know anything of me replied the prisoner one is a plain Liddlesdale sheep farmer called dinmont of charlie's hope but he knows nothing more of me than what i told him and what i tell you now why this is well enough sir robert said glossin i suppose he would bring forward this thick-skulled fellow to give his oath of credulity sir robert <laughs> and what is your other witness friend said the baronet a gentleman whom i have some reluctance to mention because of certain private reasons but under whose command i serve some time in india and who is too much a man of honour to refuse his testimony to my character as a soldier and gentleman and who is this doughty witness pray sir said sir robert some half-pay quartermaster or sergeant i suppose colonel guy mannering late of the regiment in which as i told you i have a troop colonel guy mannering thought glossin who the devil could have guessed this colonel guy mannering echoed the baronet considerably shaken in his opinion my good sir apart to glossin the young man with the dreadfully plebeian name and a good deal of modest assurance has nevertheless something of the tone and manners and feeling of a gentleman of one at least who has lived in good society they do give commissions very loosely and carelessly and inaccurately in india i think we had better pause till colonel mannering shall return he is now i believe at edinburgh you are in every respect the best judge sir robert answered glossin in every possible respect i would only submit to you that we are certainly hardly entitled to dismiss this man upon an assertion which cannot be satisfied by proof and that we shall incur a heavy responsibility by detaining him in private custody without committing him to a public jail undoubtedly however you are the best judge sir robert and i would only say for my own part that i very lately incurred severe censure by detaining a person in a place which i thought perfectly secure and under the custody of the proper officers the man made his escape and i have no doubt my own character for attention and circumspension as a magistrate has in some degree suffered i only hint this i will join in any step you sir robert think most advisable but mr glossin was well aware that such a hint was of a power sufficient to decide the motions of this self-important but not self-relying colleague so that sir robert hazelwood summed up the business in the following speech which proceeded partly upon the supposition of the prisoner being really a gentleman and partly upon the opposite belief that he was a villain and an assassin sir mr van Beest brown i would call you captain brown if there was at least reason or cause or grounds to suppose that you are a captain or had a troop in the very respectable corps you mention or indeed in any other corps in his majesty's service as to which circumstance i beg to be understood to give no positive settled or unalterable judgment declaration or opinion i say therefore sir mr brown we have determined considering the unpleasant predicament in which you now stand having been robbed as you say an assertion as to which i suspend my opinion and being possessed of much valuable treasure and of a brass-handled cutlass besides as to your obtaining which you will favour us with no explanation i say sir we have determined and resolved and made up our minds to commit you to jail or rather to assign you an apartment therein in order that you may be forthcoming upon colonel mannering's return from edinburgh with humble submission sir robert said glossin 
may i inquire if it is your purpose to send this young gentleman to the county jail for if that were not your settled intention i would take the liberty to hint that there would be less hardship in sending him to the bridewell at porton ferry where he can be secured without public exposure a circumstance which on the mere chance of his story being really true is much to be avoided why sir there is a guard of soldiers at porton ferry to be sure for protection of the goods in the custom house and upon the whole considering everything and that the place is comfortable for such a place i say all things considered we will commit this person i would rather say authorize him to be detained in the workhouse at porton ferry the warrant was made out accordingly and bertram was informed he was next morning to be removed to his place of confinement as sir robert had determined he should not be taken there under cloud of night for fear of rescue he was during the interval to be detained at hazelwood house it cannot be so hard as my imprisonment by the lutis in india he thought nor can it last so long but the deuce take the old formal dunderhead and his more sly associate who speaks always under his breath they cannot understand a plain man's story when it is told them in the meanwhile glossin took leave of the baronet with a thousand respectful bows and cringing apologies for not accepting his invitation to dinner and venturing to hope he might be pardoned in paying his respects to him lady hazelwood and young mr hazelwood on some future occasion certainly sir said the baronet very graciously i hope our family was never at any time deficient in civility to our neighbours and when i ride that way good mr glossin i will convince you of this by calling at your house as familiarly as is consistent that is as can be hoped or expected and now said glossin to himself to find dirk hatterake and his people to get the guard sent off from the custom house and then for the grand cast of the dice everything must depend upon speed how lucky that mannering has betaken himself to edinburgh his knowledge of this young fellow is a most perilous addition to my dangers here he suffered his horse to slacken his pace what if i should try to compound with the heir it's likely he might be brought to pay a round sum for restitution and i could give up hatterake but no 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 there were too many eyes on me hatterake himself and that gypsy sailor and that old hag no i must stick to my original plan and with that he struck his spurs against his horse's flanks and rode forward at a hard trot to put his machines in motion End of Volume 2, Chapter 14